0: Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Good morning once again. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 14. as you turn there, I got another praise. <laughs> uh, today in Calvary Ch- in Lima, Ohio, Calvary Chapel is, is celebrating their 19th anniversary. So that's a praise. And why would I even bring that up? Well, I bring that up to you because, one, we want to praise the Lord, but also Calvary Chapel Lima has been so faithful to pray for us as a church. Uh, I talk to Mike often, and he's always asking, how can I pray for Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship? So... I uh, know that we're being prayed by uh, other churches. So, And uh, we praise the Lord for that. Anyway, Mark 14. As we come to Mark 14, uh, we uh, come to the longest chapter in Mark's Gospel, 72 verses. And it is packed with uh, great details surrounding the, the continued plot to kill Jesus, the anointing of Jesus by Mary, Uh, the Last Supper, uh, the time of Jesus and his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we'll see Jesus appearing before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. And in all of this, we see something interesting. And I didn't think of this until this morning on my way to church. Uh, Preparation. It's amazing that when you look, especially the, the last week of Jesus, we see things that have been prepared. Obviously, he is the Lamb of God, being prepared to go to the cross for our sin. But all through God's word, we see how God is, uh, in his infinite wisdom, he is a God who has prepared things in order. And I think as we go through these scriptures, especially today, even looking at worship, we see that God prepares. And uh, those of you who are reading in the Bible reading plan, you are in that most precious book of Leviticus. Uh, hey, why are you laughing? That's a precious book. I, I, know, I know what you're thinking. You've got to chew on it, right? You've got to chew on these things in Leviticus, but here's, here's something that's awesome. All through Leviticus, again, Leviticus, consecration, holiness, it's God preparing his people to worship him in a way that's acceptable. And for you and I, it's all fast forwarding to worshiping Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And we see here all through the, the last week of Jesus, He's preparing them. He's prepared everything. God, God hasn't missed anything, He's prepared. You know, in some ways, He, you know, maybe in your life, your journey with God, He's prepared you before you came to know Jesus. He prepared that right moment that you would say yes to Jesus. And then he prepares you in such a way your walk with the Lord, empowering you with his Holy Spirit to, to walk it out, to, to serve him. And he prepares us along the way to that time that just as we he's going to call us. He's called us out of Egypt, but then he's going to call us out of this world literally. And that's a blessing. That's because of where we're, going, where we're going because of what he's done for us. And it's a preparation all through our life. So... Uh, we better pray, or I'm going to just keep on going here. But uh, Lord, you are so good. You're so good to us, Lord. And what joy it is to meet as a body of Christ, to sing praises, to pour our heart out to you, God, knowing that you have, you have given it all for us, becoming the perfect sacrifice, Jesus. Now, Lord, we pray this morning for your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, as we go through these scriptures, uh, more than anything this morning, Lord, that we might be renewed in your love, that as we talk about preparation, we talk about these uh, details that we know and that you have in your word for, for much purpose, Lord, and it all flows from the love that you have for us, the love that you demonstrated, the love that you work in our lives to even when we need forgiven, Lord. You forgive us when we need your mercy. You you poured it out and you pour it out. So, Lord, more than anything, we pray that just renew us in your love today. In Jesus' name, we pray, Amen. So, first one of chapter 14 says, After two days, it was the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread, and the chief priest and the scribes. Sought how they might take him away by trickery and put him to death, but they said not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. So this tells us that Passover, essentially two days away, and remember the Passover is the celebration of the annual remembrance of uh, the Jewish people, their, their deliverance of Egypt. Remember back in Exodus twelve, how God. Uh, spoke to Moses, and he was to speak to the people that um, he was going to come. And he was going to, after that ninth plague, the tenth plague, he was going to take the firstborn of the Egyptians. And for the Jewish, the Hebrew people, they were to put the blood of the lamb, right? He told them the 14th day of Nisan, that first month of the Jewish calendar, blood on, on the, the on the doorpost. And that he would pass over, the angel of death would pass over, and uh, all foreshadowing, Jesus Christ is our Passover. And so we understand that the Feast of Unleavened Bread then from the 15th on and it all comes together. And, and we're going to uh, look at that more in detail uh, in future times here. But so it's amazing how the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Gospels, all the scripture, but especially the Gospels. Because here we have like a flashback. You know, I kind of get that way. We call those squirrels or chasing rabbits. But this is the Holy Spirit. Not that I don't have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but in verse 3, he changes gears for a minute. And God is so good to point something out so much in detail for you and I that we, we must chew on it. We must, we must chew on the word. It says here, you know, the chief priests, they were there. They're wanting to, you know, they're plotting against Jesus. They're, they're seeking out a way to kill him. This is n- nothing new to us. We understand this through our. Uh, uh, studying in the gospel of mark and uh, you know at this time again it's passover you're looking at over two million people there so that are favoring jesus at this point point. and so they don't want to they don't want to do this on passover but it's interesting god's his appointed time he's prepared it before the foundation of the world that his the messiah would go on passover that's when he would go to the cross verse three says and being in bethany At the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they criticized her sharply. Now, again, Mark is having a flashback here, and this is pointing before this time, several days, four or five days before. And if we turn to the Gospel of John, we'll get more details here that is necessary for us us to understand what God wants to show us here. In John chapter 1, or excuse me, 12, verse 1, it says, Then six days before the Passover, so that lines up with uh, Mark, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him said, why was the fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Okay. Back to Mark then. So we have this very interesting flashback, uh, a detailed um, situation here. And, you know, why did Mark flashback? Well, one, I believe the Lord wants us to see the contrast between uh, Mary the worshiper and Judas, the one who sold out Jesus. Not only that, but we also really we see what would push Judas over the edge to the point. And it's like God's telling us here, as he shared with Mark, this was it when they were in this room, because Judas was here. Uh, Simon the leper was here. Mary was there. Lazarus was there. And could you imagine the spirit of the living God being, obviously, Jesus is there, but this is worship. He, he, Judas couldn't take it. I'm convinced this is over the top for him. Right, And we're going to look at that in more detail. But what we have here, and we think of Bethany, we think of Lazarus. That is where uh, Jesus called out Lazarus from the tomb. Remember, he, he was dead four days, and Jesus called him out from the, uh, the tomb, and he came. And, of course, what a wonderful picture for us. Again, there was a time that God called us by name. We were spiritually dead, and he called us. He called us by our name. And we entered in salvation. We received salvation, entered into the kingdom of God. The Bible says that we were dead, but we've been made alive. And now we walk in this living hope. Now, in John's Gospel, again, we're given these other folks that were there, Simon the leper, which is interesting uh, for somebody to be called Simon the leper. Because we understand that lepers weren't allowed to be near lepers. So sitting down, having a meal, that doesn't line up probably taking place here, this is the leper who had been healed by Jesus, maybe back in Mark chapter 1, maybe Mark 3, we don't know for sure, but uh, maybe they carried the tag of Simon the leper. This was his old life. So when you look at me, you probably wonder, well, Jim the what? And I look at you, I'm like, hmm, you know, what was your life before Jesus? But it's all glory to God because that's not us anymore. Simon the leper. We're, We're not that old person anymore. We're made new. in in Christ, right? We have this woman here. She is here with an alabaster flask. And from John's gospel, we know this is Mary, the sister of Lazarus, right? And so from John 12, we also know that Lazarus was there. And uh, this is amazing. This This is amazing to see these people who had an encounter with Jesus. They are all there at one time. Judas is there as well. You know, sometimes we think of the word encounter with God or an experience with God. Some that are more on the conservative side of Christianity, it's like, oh, we've got to be careful with that word. And then on the other side of it, it's like experience, you know, if you're not having experience with God every single moment of your life, you've got sin in your life, you better question your salvation and all these things, right? But we should not be afraid of encounters with God, and we should not be afraid of the word experience. This is an experience right here uh, uh, with, with, with this group of uh, people here, a wonderful experience with Jesus. And again, we need to chew on the word. You know, in this seat setting here, other believers, you know, this foreshadows us in a sense. Believers coming together as an assembly who have been born again, meaning we have experienced Jesus. We've had an encounter with Jesus. He's called us out of the world. We are in the presence of God, in Him. We're in Christ, no longer dead but alive. And so when you think about church, church is an assembly of the called out ones. And so... When I pray about reading this and praying for today, it's like there's a focus on the assembly of believers for worship. It's not just coming to church. Do you understand that? And so we're going to look at some things here to chew on the word. Look
1: at Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2.
0: Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of of holiness. And now, leave that up there for a minute. This is how good God is. I mean, when you're in tune with the word and seeing what God's doing in our midst, I look at one word there that I didn't see all week until today, knowing I was going to share this scripture, the word mighty just so happens on Wednesday nights we're talking about the mighty men and women of God. And it reminds me the number one thing, the number one thing that must come from us is our worship of God. So give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, I understand that worship essentially is 24-7. Every moment of our life, every living moment, we should acknowledge God in our life. That's worship. But I want to focus today on worship in the setting of believers. Look at Mary. Mary had an alabaster flask of very costly oil, a fragrant oil made from a root that is rare, that was rare in India, very expensive, costing 300 denarii, or at least that's what it was worth. And that was a year's pay for the average worker. Obviously, this wasn't something that Mary had on hand. Just, she just had it. Many scholars uh, believe, and commentators believe, this is probably came from the dowry, and that was very, very valuable in her family. And she had this, this, this flask. Um, and as she's there with Jesus, she has this very expensive oil. And it reminds us that our worship of God is costly. It it costs Jesus, the blood, the blood of Jesus for us to worship in such a way. But it also shows us that great value that Mary was giving towards Jesus. Great value on corporate worship. Now, I would say that I need
1: to grow much, much more in corporate worship.
0: How do you know if you need to grow with the mindset of worship? Well, we learned something from Mary. How do we value this? How do we value coming together? And listen, it doesn't have to be in a school building. right? It can come anytime. But for direction, what about Sunday mornings? What value do we put on that? Well... We might need to have our hearts given to the Lord and ask Him to help us in valuing worship if, if we think, worship is not my thing. Nobody here. I'm not, I'm not suggesting anybody here says that. But have you ever heard that before? Worship is not my thing? I have. And that's sad. We get to do this once a week. It's a sanctified time when we come together to worship the Lord. Again, that word preparation speaks to me here
1: because uh, we need to be prepared for Sunday mornings. And the greatest way we're prepared is that,
0: you know, praying for our own hearts for Sunday morning. You know, as a pastor, I, I, I pray for our worship. I pray for our hearts. I need to pray for my heart to be
1: open and ready to experience the Lord.
0: It's amazing when you have the appropriate songs where it's all pointed to Jesus and not what we do for Him, but it's all about Jesus. Just as and What's amazing, John and I, he picks the song. We didn't talk about the songs. But you could just use every song played today. It goes right along with this scripture.
1: And you can just allow God to speak.
0: But to invite the Holy Spirit to prepare us during the week for this sanctified time to experience Him. You see, the Lord can minister to us through worship
1: if our hearts are ready to worship Him. Be
0: prepared. Maybe we can't stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. Not that any of us, some of the younger people here, but most of us are the younger group here, right? We don't have to worry about it. Just throwing that out as an example. Point being, we might have to do things to prepare for this time. You know, you think about God in preparation. You think about his, his people. What did he do to prepare them for such a thing? Well, the Sabbath. I love Pastor Chuck years ago said, you know, you can worship God on any day when you think about the Sabbath and take that day of Sabbath just totally for for the Lord. It's amazing. So let's just say if we kept the Sabbath, which is Sunday, right? This is an example. Don't misquote me and say I'm telling you to go keep this unless the Lord's telling you that. There's nothing wrong with keeping the Sabbath. It's just so you don't put that above the Lord. You would have to prepare your week before that Saturday because you wouldn't be able to do anything on Saturday. Now, on one hand, that might sound great in the summertime. I don't have to mow my
1: lawn on Saturday. But you better do it on Friday
0: because if you wait till, you're not going to do it on church day. I just know that, right? So, point being, preparation. You see that built in in the worship of God. God prepares. Prepares us how? Jesus said, Worship God uh, in spirit and truth. God's prepared again in, in this. And Mary breaking the flask, we're reminded that worship is a pouring out. You know, the word worship itself means worship, it's, it's bowing down, it's, it's extending honor and worth to the one being worshiped. And he's the only one that is worthy of our worship. Now, why did Mary break the flask? Well, she wanted all of the oil out of that flask to come onto Jesus. She's wanted all to be given to Him. Look at Psalm 62, 8. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. So this is something for us to chew on. Pouring our hearts out To God, there's an emptying of ourselves,
1: a pouring out that is true worship. Does anybody ever get distracted during worship? There's a big mirror I'm looking at back there. You know,
0: did you do this? Did you do that? It's amazing. Prayer and worship... It's like the distractions just... (sighs) How do we prepare against that? Well, we
1: pray. We pray for our own hearts to be ready to worship. Pray for the congregation. You know, what about... How many here, don't raise your hand,
0: pray for our worship team for Sunday mornings? I know many of you do. We're, We're blessed. Not to puff anybody up. Well, we are so blessed. We get it at the school. There's people here. All the equipment up there you
1: see is not here. That's all gets done. They practice for a little bit.
0: And then it's time. And here's the amazing thing. Just like for a pastor, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, it's coming. There's no stopping it. unless. God he could he stopped the sun from moving with Joshua I suppose he could but Sunday's coming it doesn't matter what goes on during the week Sunday's coming and for all of us Sunday's coming that day of worship's coming so we have to be prepared and same with our worship team that time of practice going through the songs and then it's time and they understand us not just singing time We might have to put more value by asking God to help us to understand worship if we think that it's just a time of singing. It's a sanctified time. Worship, worthship, where we get to come together to bow our hearts to God, pour our hearts out to God, acknowledging Him, acknowledging Him, ascribing greatness to
1: Him. You know, one of the
0: ways that gets distracted is, you know, what are we going to do after church? Anybody else? The enemy just flies this stuff right in front of our face, looking at the screen. Only Jesus. What are we going to have for lunch? You know? it's that's we got to pray against that, is my point. Be pre- more prepared. Maybe I'm just speaking to myself. Because I want to experience
1: the Lord during worship with my brothers and sisters.
0: Another detail here regarding Mary is that she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this is significant, and that's in John, that it says that uh, she, you know, with her hair wiped the feet of Jesus. It's not in your mark, it's in in John. But that's significant because uh, in public, only prostitutes would lower their hair. And here she is worshiping Jesus. And her hair is down. And you know, only slaves would or servants would be washing the feet of others when people would come into the home uh, in a Jewish home. They would have water there for them to either wash their own feet or they would have a servant wash their feet. And here we take see Mary taking the role of a humble servant washing the feet of her master, bowing down in worship. You see, Isn't it amazing to chew on the Word of God and to look at what worship really is? And we get real-life examples of these, these people that experience Jesus in some fashion, and that's us as the body of Christ. We experience Jesus during the week. So many times as individuals, as families, and we come together. I'm convinced every Sunday we should have praises. So, oh... So be prepared with your praises. Take uh, a notebook. You know, Pastor Chuck said uh, one time, you know, in prayer the, that's where the enemy comes. He just wants you to. He just reminds you of your grocery list, the things that you got to buy at the grocery as you're praying and thanking God. And next thing you know, you're saying the what you're supposed to get at Kroger's or Costco or whatever. And he said, keep a notebook, and every time something comes up, just jot it down and praise Him that you're going to, you know, kind of take care of. Uh, a bird with two stones there. That's real though, isn't it? No oh, how we must be prepared in these things. Uh, look what happens though. in this as they, they were experiencing uh, Jesus, and then we have Judas there. John's gospel tells us that Judas was there, and he wanted to know why the oil was being wasted. Why it was They could have sold this for 300 denarii and given it to the poor. And We understand Judas. We understand that he was the treasurer. He's the one that held the money bag. It was Judas who betrayed the Lord. He was looking only out for himself, how he could gain that. Again, we see a a contrast here between uh, the worshipers and Judas. Verse 6 says, But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and where, whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her.
1: So, it, it, you know, Jesus
0: mentions here, And he says, and they criticized her sharply. It wasn't just Judas, it was all of them criticizing her worship. And this reminds me that not everybody is mindful of worship. And so as we're experiencing the Lord in worship, we shouldn't be worried about those around us. Years ago uh, in St. Mary's, I had somebody call me on Monday and, and she said, you know, the Spirit of God was leading me to raise my hands during worship. I'm like, well, what'd you do? Well, I didn't raise my hands. I'm like, well, you quenched the spirit of the whole service
1: then. You said listen to the Holy Spirit.
0: If the Lord leads you to raise your hand, raise your hand. You be quenched in the Spirit and how He wants to bless you by experiencing the joy of the Spirit of God.
1: Worship should be emotional.
0: And that's another word we go, oh, you gotta be careful. You get too emotional during worship, but worship's intellectual because we're we're viewing who we worship, but worship should be emotional. It shouldn't stir up in our heart. And however that's demonstrated, that's between you and the Lord. But our heart should be, something should be happening. And honoring the Lord. You know, disciples were there, they weren't focused on worship. And isn't it interesting here to me? it's interesting to me, maybe not so much you, but uh, when you think about preparation, it appears that Mary knew what was going on. She had the oil. Jesus said she was going to use that for his anointing his body for burial. Now remember, Jesus had been telling them, the disciples, they were headed to Jerusalem. He was going to be turned over. He was going to be killed. And remember, they argued to who the greatest of them were. But Mary, it appears that she understood that the oil was going to be used for his burial, anointing him.
1: Another word for
0: preparation. But here we see Mary, Mary's impact of her worship, and, and worship for us, it's impactful for our own lives. But look at the lasting impact from Mary. Isn't this is absolutely amazing. As surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. It's like, wow, Mary made the Bible.
1: <laughs> and in and through her we're taught worship. The significance of worship. Who knows how God
0: leads you to worship? We don't do it for a show, for sure. And that goes with everything in our life. We're worshiping God through the Bible. You might share with that coworker a psalm or something that really relates to them, and they look at you like, wow, praise, you know, that's all praise to God. And what about when you do praise to somebody, and then the, then the Lord answers that prayer? Well, that's impactful. The same is true of our worship. When we come together, it should be impactful. Uh, Verse 10 says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them, and when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So what a contrast. The one who will forever be remembered as the one who betrayed Jesus Christ and the one who worshiped Jesus Christ.
1: And I don't know, in my mind,
0: I I think, well, how could this have ever happened with Judas? He was there in the presence of Jesus. He heard the teachings of Jesus. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He followed them. Who knows, maybe at some point Jesus asked him to pray. I don't know. But he was there with him. You know, we understand from the Word of God that Satan, in John 13, it says Satan entered into Judas. That doesn't mean Satan just entered and Judas didn't have a choice. Judas made choices under his free will to this point. It tells us in John chapter 12 that he was a thief. He was pilfering through all that. He had his mindset, no doubt, waiting for the right time to make his move. And his... And God's infinite wisdom, his foreknowledge is told throughout the Old Testament scriptures of this. In fact, Friday nights in our study of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 11, it pointed to the false shepherd or this one, 30 pieces of silver. Speaking of Jesus being betrayed, that's 500 years before. And then different Psalms point David pointing to and in context with the Messiah, how there would be one who even sat down and ate with him that they would betray him. Now that doesn't mean God God planned this out or saw this and then Judas didn't have a choice. Judas had a choice. He used his free will in betraying Jesus. And interesting, it, it began when he, you know, it had impact that he didn't worship Jesus in the worship setting. And it reminds us also that there's none of us here that are incapable of falling away from the Lord. Judas sold out Jesus but he didn't betray him yet. And that's key for us to understand. I'll get to that in a minute. You and I, we're going to fall short of pleasing Jesus. We will sin, and we have the wonderful promise of his word that we can come and confess our sin to him and know that he will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess, we're given that wonderful promise. But Judas, we're going to see he did something, not just you know, sinning, he betrayed Jesus. It says in verse 12, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them and they prepared the Passover. Wow, two more times the word prepared here. They prepared, Jesus prepared the place, obviously, Um, when he told them to go and and find this place. uh, We understand that this would be uh, a very significant sign for him or they to find a man carrying the pitcher of water because it was normally women who were carrying the pitcher of water. So it would have stood out. It would be like, He's saying to the guys, carry a purse uh, so everybody can see that you are the one. You're the man. And not really the man, but the man. <laughs> so it would be significant. It would have stood out. And uh, we understand that this is Peter and John who prepared the Passover. But again, in verse 16 we see, they prepared the Passover. Uh, Next month, in March, we're going to have Messiah in the Passover. We're going to look at those things in, you know, in detail of seeing Messiah in the Passover. And I'm sure they were going to point out what is biblical and what has been entered into tradition, all pointing to the Messiah. You know, uh, but it had to be prepared. The place had to be prepared. The Passover setting had to be prepared. In other Gospels, we see that Jesus fervently desired to have this time with his disciples. Jesus knew before the foundation of the world in that upper room was going to be so amazing how he poured into the disciples. And when we read John 13 through 17, it's amazing of Jesus pouring into his disciples and praying for them. And then in the evening, he came with the twelve, Now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, "As Surely I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful. And to say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Again, this word betray is very significant. In the Greek it speaks of literally meaning to give one over to a prisoner, as a prisoner, uh, to a prison guard to have them punished. I think it's important that we understand the difference between sinning and falling short as a believer, coming to the Lord to receive forgiveness and grace. We understand Satan entered into Judas, but it's by his free will that he was betraying. He wasn't forced to betray Jesus. He did so his free will. But his betrayal wasn't just sinning, it was betraying this one over, turning him over to be punished. You and I don't betray Jesus in that way. We may sin and we might even sell Jesus short when we put other things in front of him. But this betraying is different. It's Judas who will forever be known as the one betraying the Master, the Lord Jesus.
1: Which reminds us that we can always come to Him. We can always come to Him and receive forgiveness of our sin. For those who don't know the
0: Lord cannot do that. They can come to Him and be forgiven of their sin, but they haven't confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior They're still under that bondage of sin. When a person confesses of their sin and receives salvation, they are set firm in foundation in, in being alive in Christ. And we're going to look at some scripture here in a second to help describe this. But it's, I keep saying it's interesting. It's all interesting. Why do I say that? But they said, It is I. It is I. Now, when you chew on this, you think well, this, this would have been a very overwhelming time. They had an overwhelming time in the presence of the Spirit of God. Jesus is there, uh, some of them. They're worshiping Jesus. Uh, then you have Judas, you know, you know just quenching the Spirit. Why, why is this oil not being sold to feed the poor? And they're in the upper room then. Jesus had prepared that. And then he tells them why they're eating a meal in fellowship that one of them is going to betray. And they asked the question, it is I. So that tells us, number one, they didn't know. Judas was flying under the radar with all of them. They didn't know it was Judas. Jesus did. Jesus knew all along it was Judas. But you, do you see how Jesus ministered to Judas the whole time? Poured into him his love, his grace, his mercy. And I certainly see here that Jesus was giving him an opportunity to repent. Is it I? Is it I? Now, I struggle with this a little bit. When you look up, it says that they were sorrowful. Another gospel says that they were exceedingly sorrowful. Now, when I think of the disciples, I don't see them being sorrowful like you and I would be sorrowful at some I'm not suggesting that they weren't sorrowful in that way. But for them to ask, is it I, is it I? They, you know, some definitions of sorrowful is being offended. I can see that more if the disciples, when they say, is it I, is it I, isn't it? Like, well, no, is it, is it me? Is it me? They didn't think like that. They were always debating who was the greatest among
1: them. Is it I? Well, it's, it's not me.
0: It's not me. Interesting dynamic there. Don't know for sure, but anyway, they, they have a moment here. Is it I? And Jesus said, it is the one of the twelve who dips with me in the fish. And he says that it would be better for this one that's going to betray me, better if they'd never been born, because they are going to spend eternity not in the presence of God. And that's the truth for all. But I'm reminded as we look at this and we see the worship uh, that was taking place there with Mary, Simon the leper, uh, Lazarus, and others there, I, I think of good old Peter. Good old Peter in chapter 1
1: of First Peter.
0: In verse 17, it says, And if you call on the Father, that's rendered since you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. What's he saying there? That's time here on earth in fear, reverence toward God, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest. And these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Again, you've heard me say this, I don't know how many times, but I love reading Peter because here's a man before the resurrection, didn't get it. After the resurrection, filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets it, he gets worship. He understand there was nothing that could take away our sin? Here's this, this fisherman, and he uses the word precious. Guys, how often do you use the word precious?
1: Ladies might. Guys don't.
0: Precious meaning valuable. Peter understood the value of Jesus himself. Jesus, or, uh, Peter understood What Christ had done for us on the cross, he shed his blood for our sin. And through his blood, we are redeemed. Peter understood worship. Peter didn't understand a lot of things
1: until he came to know the Lord.
0: As we read this, we have to ask our question, the question to ourselves, where are we at in our own worship? And I don't say that, we better straighten up in our worship. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is, as we live in the days that we're living in, in the days of deception, when the days of so much in the spiritually is taking place, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. It might be this morning someone here needs to beat feet to the cross
1: and say, Lord, I'm off. I need to get back to the
0: heart of worship. I need to look at you and understand it's you, Lord. You you died on the cross for my sin. You, You took the debt that I owe you. Anything other than that's not true worship, because true worship is upon him. And I think the Lord's growing us in worship, amen? And it doesn't, not just here, but what about every day? Praising him. Proclaiming our worship, our worship to Him. It's gonna cost us. It might cost you time. Being in the Word
1: and praying. Maybe the Lord gives you a word for somebody. Be obedient to the Spirit and call Him up and tell Him. Encourage them. Bless them. That's all part of worship as well. Amen. What say you? Father, we thank you
0: for your word. And Lord, to see the experience that Mary had with you, Lord, as she poured that oil on you, Lord Jesus. What a great illustration for us to be mindful in worship with our lives, in a corporate setting, in our own homes, by ourselves maybe, Lord, that we are to give all just as you gave all to us, Lord. Father, I don't know what you desire to do in our hearts with uh, these scriptures that we looked at today. I pray that you would draw us close to you, Lord. And even as we come in this last song and, and to praise you and to worship you, Lord, may we experience the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And Lord, I pray for anyone here, Lord, Maybe they're falling short. Maybe they're living in sin. I pray for your spirit to come and comfort them, Lord. Bring them to the cross that they would see Jesus. Understand that he died. He rose again on the third day. He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And we're so thankful, Lord, that as we understand Jesus is at the right hand, he's continuously interceding for us. We want to see that, Lord. We want to experience that. We want to not only know it in head knowledge, we want, we want to know that you're there in a powerful way, Lord. So, Lord, would you work in the hearts of this fellowship that we would grow in our worship? We want to be ready as ready can be, Lord, for when you come for us. And What a great way it would be on a Sunday morning, Lord, worshiping you together with our brothers and sisters. And the last things that we get to sing to you are words of worship. Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello. This is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at Pastor Jim Swigert at gmail.com. That's Pastor Jim Swigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowships church website is calvarychapelfaithfellowship.org there you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship thank you and God bless